0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com.
1: hello everybody and welcome back to rural advancement this is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders it is our goal every single week week in and week out to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church but is spoken by people who get it people who have lived worked and ministered in small out-of-the-way places if you are tuning into this and you're a pastor or a deacon or a sunday school teacher we just want you to know that the work you do for god's kingdom is so valued And we want you to be equipped and informed uh, to carry out that work. I am your host, Joe Epley. And this week, I am excited because we get a chance to interview Pastor Denny Curran. He is a pastor in the Assemblies of God in Minnesota, and he has been uh, in that network and in a variety of churches for almost 50 years. I am so excited because one of the big parts of our conversation today is going to revolve around stories and, and the impact of what it looks like when God uh, shows up, especially when it comes to church planting and things like that. So I'm going to let him tell a lot of his story, but the first thing I want to say is pastor Denny,
0: how you doing, sir? I'm doing really good. These are some of the greatest years of my ministry right now.
1: Awesome. And I'm excited to dive into that part of the story. So let's start with, uh, let's start with your background. You know, I definitely know that, uh, that that rural is a place where we we like to know who we're talking to, you know what I'm saying. We like to know if, if you if you if you get it, you know what I'm saying, and i and I know from for a fact that you do, and so can you give us maybe a flyover of of your pastoral journey? you know where did where did it start and where did you end up, and what were all the places in between?
0: Well, I was born, and raised a Catholic, Irish Catholic, and uh, through a series of supernatural events, was saved in my bedroom. and when I asked God to come into my life. Ask him if he'd prove himself to me right now. I'd give my life. And he uh, walked into my bedroom. I ran out of my bedroom and shut the door mm-hmm. in another room. And then when I got control of myself and got some composure, I opened the door to my bedroom and said, God, if you get out of my bedroom, come <laughs> am finish that prayer. Because I'd never experienced anything like it. And then again, through a series of events, ended up at North Central University. Didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want anything to do with ministry, but really felt uh, that <clears throat> I was going to give the Lord a year of my life and uh, grow and get some foundational work done on my spiritual life. Uh, my senior year and no, my junior year, I was ready to quit. I didn't want to finish. E.M. Clark uh, asked if I would go to a small town in central Minnesota. I was going to play a softball for a class A softball team and travel in the summertime. And the name of the team was Maplewood Liquors. Oh, okay. And uh, I didn't want to tell president of North Central University that's what I was going to do. But sure. somehow I... Uh, agreed to go to Painesville, Minnesota, a town of 16, or 1,920 people at the time to be an intern youth, youth pastor. And uh, pastor uh, told me that the people didn't like me at the end of the year. And I said, that's okay with me. I'm going to go into real estate and fly an airplane and I went sure. back to Central and told DM Clark that I was quitting school. He said, don't do something foolish like that. You got one semester left. I finished that semester and Painesville, the board member came after me and said, "Hey, we want you to come back." And I said, "Well, the pastor said you didn't like me. No, we loved you." He said, uh, "We don't think he mm. like." I think that's a problem with a lot of a uh, lot of pastors. They get a little insecure when somebody has some success. And in three months, we we grew a, a nice youth ministry and gave a lot of money to speed the light. I think he was a little threatened by that. Mm. So uh, ended up in Painesville for 18 years, nine years as children, youth, and wow. then nine years as senior pastor, and then planted this church in Cold Spring in 1994 and uh, have never left the rural area uh, ever since. And I never want to leave the rural area. Don't want to go back to the cities.
1: Wow, man, that's really cool. And what a tale of, uh, I mean, there's just so much to impact their longevity and, uh, yeah, that small town. Uh, you know, care and concern, and, and even that interesting part of your backstory about, you know, that pastoral kind of kind of moment where, where maybe he had a little tension with where you're at. You know, I want to talk about uh, ministry in general, right? Because when we talk about the foundation of ministry, and obviously, you have been in ministry, you know, successfully, and you're still here, you're still doing it, you're still in love with the Lord and his people. Um, but let's talk about that foundation. You know, you mentioned prayer a lot. How important is that is prayer and is that foundation for a minister? And how does someone go about building that? Like, like what is, you know, what makes us us and how do we get there? You know?
0: Well, that's a, uh, it's a good question. As I said, I grew up Catholic. And when I went to North Central, I I was trying to find out uh, exactly where I was supposed to go. So I prayed a lot. I prayed my rosary. <laughs> six well, weeks. you have to, you know, <laughs> six, weeks, six weeks at North Central prayed but, You know, God answered, he just answered prayer in a unique way for me. Uh, When I got uh, ordained or licensed as a minister, I heard one of our our speakers said that if you can't pray two hours a day, don't go into ministry. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I can't even hold steel for two minutes, let alone pray two hours. You know, so I don't think, so I thought, man, I'm just disqualifying myself. I can't do that. I. I'm a Catholic. I don't know anything about the A.G.E. I don't know how to pray, and and yet ended up in Painesville, uh, encouraged by board members and some of the youth there to be their youth pastor, and and just started praying. I didn't I didn't, uh, didn't want to live a boring life as a minister, and I always pictured ministers as being some of the most boring people, <laughs> on the face of the earth. And uh, as I became senior pastor at at Painesville, I was walking home one fall night. I was going to go fishing right after Sunday night church, and the Lord said, "I want you up early tomorrow, and I want you to pray." And it's one of the few times God has spoken to me in a in, in that powerful, that clear of a um, a voice. And I got up early the next morning, and I started praying, and I've been praying ever since. But I what I've done is, is I'll go on personal prayer retreats myself. Before I started this church, I went to Zion Faith Homes in Zion, Illinois, and then I went on a parent fasting retreat, personal one. And Spencer Lake and Wapaca my wife was from Appleton and I just prayed I didn't want I don't know this may may, may not be what you want to hear but I didn't want to be in ministry because oh, no, I, that's fair You're I, like honesty. Ministry, ministry was was not attractive uh the people I've seen in ministry didn't attract me uh, the churches were were run down I, and I always kid that I always thought the AG church their holy water um like it was to the Catholics was was just water but the holy water in a AG church was the men's bathroom. It smelled like pee everywhere I went to, mildew or pee, and and so sure. the buildings didn't excite me. So I went out and just lay down before the Lord for ten days. Didn't eat, uh, just drank water, juices, and and prayed. God, if you're gonna hold me to this ministry, I don't want to be boring. I don't want uh, I don't want to be unattractive. Hmm. Um, I want I want something exciting, and you know God never showed up and with a clap of thunder or a flash of lightning. Sure. But you know, since then, it was kind of a foundation for my life. Pastor uh, Spina, my wife's pastor from Apple, Wisconsin, came out, and uh, he I watched his church go from about thirty-five people to twelve hundred. Wow! And uh, he came out to meet with me, and as a surprise, and I said, Dan, how did you make it? I mean, you're the only pastor I could say I'd like to model my life after. What did you do? And he said, sure. nothing. Because I never went on a prayer retreat. I never went on a fasting. I didn't never fasted in ministry. But I was faithful. I was faithful to my church. I was faithful to my wife. Faithful to God. I just was faithful. And over the years, God just was faithful to me. And as he left, I said, you know, I can do that. I can, I can be faithful, but I can pray as well. And uh, mm. if I put those two together, I, I believe God will do something. So that was, you know, that was... What uh, came out of one of my prayer, personal prayer and fasting times, Zion Faith Homes. I'm going to probably go back there in a couple of weeks. Spencer Lake in Wisconsin and then Lake Geneva. Hmm. So through that time, I've just developed. So now I'm up every morning, um, anywhere between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning, mostly between 3 and 4.30. And I come to church and just pray like my life depends on it because most of the time it does.
1: Man, that's powerful stuff. I really uh, I, I find myself in a lot of these... Uh, conversations and interviews, uh, you know, I, we make this podcast and say, this could help you leader. And it turns out it's me. I'm the leader that it's going to help, you know, <laughs> so it's yeah. just, it's just exciting. So I know that uh, a big party, and we'll get into some of these stories more, but I know a big aspect of of who you've been and what you've been able to do in ministry has also involved uh, church planning. And And I like to ask this question to people who have planted churches before, you know, when it comes to, you know, the most important aspect for pastors when it comes to becoming church planters, like what is that you know what i'm saying like what is that most important aspect you know in your in your opinion
0: well i think leadership is is a key aspect faith i, I know a lot of people say preaching uh, i don't if you can't love people i don't care how well you preach sure uh, we we about shut a church down years ago with a guy who's had a doctorate and boy he was masterful at preaching but uh, he didn't know how to love people he didn't know how to mm. lead and that's those are things that you can learn if you if you can't do that. I mean, sure. loving people for me is easy. I love I've loved people even before I was saved, but but love your community, embrace it. Um, I had a pastor in a small town of about eight hundred move from Indiana out here, and uh he hated every aspect of his community. Hmm. He hated how cold it was, he hated how small the town was, he hated how uh closed uh, the people were to him. <laughs> sure. And, uh, if you can't love people and embrace your community, embrace where you're at, and uh, and when you do that, I think people begin to to respond to you. Another thing is is I've had to learn just about everything from ground zero. But when I planted Cold Spring, uh, I didn't know what to do. I had I had six people. I sat in the corner of my office, twiddling my thumbs. I had no support, no money, hmm. and I called somebody that I think had had done this before. His name was Arvid Kingsrider out of. Out of Bloomington, he planted five churches. So I called him and said, Arvid, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got six people and things aren't going well. Uh, Back then we didn't have boot camps and I don't know what he said. I was just kind of in a panic mode, but he talked to me for a little bit on the phone. And about an hour and a half later after I hung up, I thought, well, that was a wasted call. (laughs) Arvid Kingsrider had drove uh, an hour and a half to sit down with me. Oh, wow. And uh, meet with me. And I don't know. I don't know what he said. But I listen. When someone like that comes in, listen, ask questions, ask good questions. I know I've sat down and listened to people talk to people who have done it before, and they're trying to tell them what they should have done or how they should have done it. I think it'd be better if you just ask questions. Just ask Mm -hmm. questions. And uh, Arvid left my office. He probably was there for two hours. Again, I couldn't tell you what he said. I was so shocked he came. But you know what? I knew I had someone in my corner and Mm -hmm. someone believed in me. And from there, everything took off.
1: Wow. I really love that. I think if a pastor's listening, you know, maybe you, maybe you pick up some of those words, find a support system, get someone who's going to ask you the right questions, and then be teachable, you know, and that's, that's huge, you know, because if you know someone's behind you, yeah, we can go do hard things, and we can go do things <laughs> that are really sacrificial, you know.
0: But leadership skill isn't one that we have an abundance in in our movement, we're more servants, I'm more servant hearted so leadership True. learning leadership skills from other people, reading every book I read when i when I took over this church or started planning this church, I read every leadership book I could get my hands on and underlined things and uh and then like I said, interviewed just really good leaders.
1: Mm, I love that well hey let's uh let's switch gears a little bit. Because one of the things that is one of my most passionate subjects, and it's not something that I think has been on my brain a long time, but even uh, recently in my ministry career, it's just become more and more important. But when we look back, you know, at history, whether it's Assembly God history, whether it's you know church history in general, you see these stories, just just stories of people doing great things or or doing normal things, and God shows up and makes it makes it great. And so I kind of want to touch base and ask you. You know, because again, if we're going to inspire people to plant churches, to pastor well, to love real context, it'd be nice to know that God's going to meet us there. And so could you take some time? You know, we're going to get to your current ministry in Cold Springs in a little bit, but let's just go back through your ministry career. What What are two, maybe two stories that you could highlight where God showed up in a powerful way?
0: I think these all come from prayer and fasting. Though I think there's some of these miracles that have come uh, when we when we had started growing from from six to twelve to forty people, and uh, now we're at you know we're at sixty people, but we're we're hitting a, a roadblock. I'm in the third highest concentration of Catholics in the world.
1: Interesting.
0: The church is sitting right between Saint Ben, Saint John's University, Saint Cloud, Saint Joe, Saint Wendell, Saint Stephen, sure. Saint, Benedict, Saint, you know, Saint Nick, Saint you All these saints. So they they did didn't—they didn't embrace me. They didn't open their arms, and say, "Hey, welcome to town." There was a lot of opposition, and I had a couple come to church. Uh, found out later, she was Lutheran, he was Catholic, but mm. she was a spiritual Lutheran, and they were having a struggle in their their marriage. So he didn't want to be in the church. I could see her him try to drag her out of the. We were in the high school at that time, hitting sixty people. You know that we're big time now. You know and.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, preaching miracles, preaching, uh, you know, uh, through the tenets of faith with AG. And and he called me one morning, about six in the morning on a Sunday. I was just getting ready to head to church. And uh, I didn't have a, a home in the community yet. I was still living in another community. So he called me and he said, hey, do you believe that? I won't say the word, but he will you believe that BS you're, you're talking about on Sunday? Oh, Monday? sure, sure. And I said, yeah, why? What's going on? He says, my daughter Jennifer's got a tumor in his heart, oh, her wow. heart and her backbone, and she has a short time to live. So I said, Roger, I believe it. So we brought her forward that morning for prayer, walked with him through it. And I'd seen another miracle years ago where a tumor had peeled off a brain like an orange peel. And he, he wow. asked me all the, all the miracles that I've seen, and I told him. And when I got to the one where the brain tumor peeled off like an orange peel, he said, that's where my faith is at. I can believe that, but I can't believe for Mm. an instant. So we, we prayed those words that that God would peel that tumor off like a, like an orange peel. And the doctors said, because of all the tissue in the heart and uh, the backbone that the tentacles had grown into that area. And chances are that they could just give her a few more months to live. Sure. So they went into surgery and we prayed and, uh, They came out of surgery and could see that there was something unusual about the team of doctors. And they sat down on the coffee table and looked at us and said, we don't understand it. Hmm. But the tumor, we didn't have to cut because it peeled off, in their words, (laughs) like an orange peel. Wow. And that girl's a chiropractor, a doctor today. Uh, And and that, and not a small town, those little, those things like that go, they go viral. I mean, they go... And I yeah. never had money for mass mailers, but I'd go to i go to a beautician and tell them what I'm doing. Yeah, and well then the word gets hair. around.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can tell does. it's your hairdresser. You got this, you know. Yeah. yeah well, go fast.
0: I get my hair cut twice in one week just to just to spread the news quicker. <laughs> and so that was that that all of a sudden went out, boom, we're at a hundred people and people are hearing about it. But yeah. I got a woman who's got who's got relatives who are coming to my church and um uh, she's a really Catholic, strong Catholic lady. She's put together a lot of uh, trips to uh, kind of a religious pilgrimage uh, sure, in sure, Florida. They want to see Mary appear in a building in Tampa Bay or hear the Virgin sure. Mary appear over a clothesline in northern Minnesota or gone to Europe. Well, her sisters were coming to church, and she was upset. So they told me if I've ever met with her, her name was Joyce, to run because she's vicious. She's mean. Mm. So she's an older lady. So we're in a we're in a we're in a restaurant and I'm having lunch with my secretary and she says here comes Joyce and they tried to push me underneath the table to hide from her it's kind of embarrassing wow she walked that's actually, by that's kind of wild yeah, she walked by and I ran to my office and I I couldn't believe it I I, I left my meal and went to my office because I'm afraid of Joyce huh so I start praying that God would take Joyce out God just 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 take her out she's old she's had enough time on this earth, you know? So that was my prayer. <laughs> that was my prayer. And yeah. in about, I'd say about a year, maybe a year and a half later, her sister's called and said, hey, Joyce is in the hospital down in Minneapolis. And inside mm. I said, good, God's answered prayer. Wow. And they said, would you come down and, and pray with her? I said, why? So we can't get a priest in here to give her the last rites. So I thought... I really don't want to. I didn't tell her that, but I, I I'll go. I'll head to Minneapolis. Hit an hour down there, and as I drove down this ninety-four, about halfway there, I started getting a love for this woman that was supernatural, hmm. and I felt that God wanted to do something. When I got there, her her husband came over. I've never met the guy before. Great big strong German, put his head in my shoulder and began to weep. Hmm. I said, George, you want me to go in there and pray with her with you? And she said, No. I can't take this anymore. And then the doctor came out and said, she's only got minutes left to live. Meet with the family. So we went to the waiting room. And uh, when I walked in, Joyce's sister said, are you going to give her the last rites? And I said, no. And this just came out of my mouth. I said, no, I'm going to pray a prayer of faith and God's going to raise her up. Mm-hmm. And inside, I said, you idiot. What did you just say? And everyone gasped like, you're kidding, mm-hmm. including me. And I thought, well, let's yeah, pray. Yeah, yeah. We, we prayed a prayer of faith. And to make a long story short, you know, by, this was Wednesday. By Friday, she was completely healed. Wow. And uh, the doctors kept her for a little bit. They said we'd never seen anything like it. Let her out on Monday. She came into my office, and uh, I thought, oh she's going to shoot me. And she started to weep. She said, I've traveled the world looking for a miracle. Wow. I in northern Minnesota, Florida, Europe, Philippines. Little did I know the miracle would be me. She started to weep. And wow. she became one of my strongest advocates. And again, now boom, my attendance goes up. Yeah, because of these miracles. God says, you know, Jesus made it very clear there'll be signs and wonders confirming my word, and we need yeah. to live like that today.
1: No, that's good. And honestly, like uh when I think of what builds—not just any church, but but even a rural church—it's—it's it's like you're saying. I mean, unless the Lord builds it, builds it. What do we got? You know. And so that's just such a huge testimony to how God shows up. <laughs> wow. Well, hey, let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit. So, obviously, you have your ministry uh, where you're at now, and from what you know, you and I talked about, um, we'd love to see you know just how God has provided. So maybe maybe give us a little bit of the of the story of your current church and and tell us a couple stories about how God provided in amazing ways. Let's just hear about
0: that. Well, Longevity is a big deal, you know. It's uh, I think to me now that there's been times in the history of this church where I got calls from bigger, better churches than, sure. uh, with nice buildings to come. Yeah, and, probably nice paychecks and all those yeah, things. Yeah, you know? bigger paychecks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I turned them down and said no, because I always believed that God had something in store for this area, central Minnesota. So we've gone through four phases. Uh, mm-hmm. First phase in 2002, and then our second phase in 2005, and then... Our third phase was supposed to be 2008, and uh, we had a financial collapse in America. Right. It hit us first and left here last. So about 2014, we did another capital campaign and uh, came to an end in 2016, and it was a miserable failure. It was terrible. Oh, wow. That's when we wanted to leave ministry. Some things in my past showed up and uh, the board felt that we could use that for momentum. And we did our own capital campaign and raised a tremendous amount of money for uh, a 20,000 square foot children's edition. And now this phase, phase four, as you know, half of our ministers in the rural area are over 65. Yeah, it's true. And uh, so I'm, I'm to the end now and I call it my uh, the, the finish the journey was the name of our capital campaign. So we needed to raise four million dollars to uh, wow. put this this uh, twenty five thousand square foot sanctuary with two adult lounges. There, area. lounge areas, is a brand new, fully uh, equipped coffee area, state of the art audio video. And so I told the board I would I would do this, but I'd only do it if we'd be debt free. And they looked at each other and said, "Well, that'd be a miracle." Yeah. Yeah, but we've seen miracles. And I've I mean, like I say I've got story after story of miracles that we have seen. And uh, first I went to my staff, they knew what it was gonna cost them, they agreed in doing it. My board agreed, and I put together a building committee, they agreed. We put together our building, handed it to our architect. He came back and said it's not gonna be four million, it's not gonna be four and a half million, it's gonna be seven point two million. Wow. And we were into it. I went on a prayer and fasting and said, Okay, this is it, I'm done. Uh, I, my faith wasn't at seven and 7.2 million dollars. With with at that time, we have you know, we about 700 people, and uh, the uh, simply finding some of God financial services wouldn't touch it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's but a huge project.
0: Even, we wouldn't even do that. We that, that you're going to be known for one big mistake in your ministry. Yeah, you yeah,
1: that's good. a big, I mean, those numbers are large numbers. I mean, that's yeah. a lot to mess with, you know.
0: So, we want to hear the mind of God, and, and I encourage everybody to do this. Don't try to build something just to just to. Advance you yourself personally, make sure that when it's done, it, it speaks well to the kingdom. Mm. And uh so I went a prayer and fasting 21 days. November 1st was a Monday. Our capital campaign celebration service was going to be on the 21st, which is a Sunday. 21 days of prayer and fasting. People joined us. And the second Tuesday, I knew we had a breakthrough. And I've never experienced anything like this. Mm. I pray, I fast all the time. I never hear from God why I'm fasting. All I hear is my stomach saying. You're killing me! Stop mm-hmm, this!
1: Mm-hmm,
0: yeah, I get something. But this time it was it was just very clear that we had a breakthrough. And uh, I don't know how how detail I need to get in this, but
1: no, it's uh, up to you, uh,
0: man. Two two. Well, that uh, that Saturday, someone walked into my office and said, uh, "We're new in the church. Uh, we've done quite well, and uh, we don't know how this works, but I'm going to give you three million dollars."
1: Wow! Oh my so, gosh! Uh, that is this, this Talking talk about by, miracles right there.
0: So, uh, And that's just the beginning. So, <laughs> so we, uh, we loan our building out to just about anybody in the community. We're the best place to meet for the high school, for any business. Yeah. we got state-of-the-art Huge
1: community impact.
0: Love that. Yeah. So one of the businesses, uh, the owner, who was one of the wealthiest men in the state of Minnesota, is ready to bow out of his business that his grandfather started, walked in and said, hey, I really appreciate what you've done for our community and what you've done for my company. Uh, could you use a million dollars? and you gotta give me that phone number you know i'm I'm just kidding
1: but you know what i'm saying that's crazy yeah
0: yeah so he said he said uh, and my wife and i were going to make a personal pledge wow he said Danny, we listened to you on sunday morning live stream and this central minnesota needs to hear what you're talking about Hmm. so he made a personal pledge a nice personal pledge yeah and his company uh made made a pledge Then another man, uh, our capital campaign, came to an end on the 21st. Our people responded. We already had $4.5 million in our pocket before we even asked the congregation to give anything. And the congregation responded uh, with incredible generosity. So we knew we ordered steel. In fact, we ordered the steel before we knew we'd even build the building, because if we didn't, we wouldn't get it for a year. Yeah. So the board said, let's do it. We'll lose 50000 if we don't build. So we ordered a week before we had our capital campaign on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a big deal. And then the, the Friday before Christmas, a Lutheran man from uh, Omaha was in here, and he was with my friend that gave $3 million. And he said, I want to give. And he threw a checkbook at me. He said, Danny, this is Lutheran money. Hmm. and uh, I just came from my church. He's not from here. He's from another city. He has a cabin here that he comes to, and he attends church here. He said, what they're doing in my church is turning it over to LBGQ, or TQ, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're trying to embrace the transgender lifestyle. Sure. And and, uh, he started weeping. He said, my parents started that church. Hmm. That church has been one of the strong churches of Nebraska, and now... It's it's nothing. He said that checkbook I just threw at you, there's enough money in there for you and I to retire on. It's all going to kingdom. Could you use another million dollars? <laughs> so now I have wow. four, five and a half million dollars. Wow. Plus my congregation. Well, to make a long story short, we've raised nine point two million dollars. Wow. And then That's I incredible. don't think I, I would I wouldn't have raised that at all. If God didn't help me with my prayer time, my prayer and fasting, this is all God. It's a God thing. Nobody in our church will tell you, Hey, Denny did this or the board did this or the staff did this. No, there's no, there's no way. I I don't have the ability to do that. It's just listening to God, learning throughout the years to love people, develop Mm -hmm. some leadership skills that go outside the borders of your church, into your community, love the people of your community, embrace your community and, and like I said, two and a half million dollars for my uh, building, which is our first Sunday was two weeks ago. Wow. We walked in that building at seven million dollars. It's paid for it.
1: Wow. That's yeah. And
0: nice. that's good. I, I hate telling those stories because people in the towns of the four five, six, 800 people say, oh, that'll never happen. Well, don't limit God. I mean, don't don't limit God. Uh, I develop a vision. What do you want? What do you want God to do in your community? Yeah, And if it's, if it's something that, that you think you can do, it's probably not from God. And you've heard that before.
1: Right. But and it I've still rings to, true.
0: I've talked to superintendents. I've talked to other pastors about vision. Vision is so important. I was at a conference, and they said vision isn't all that's cracked out to be. I should have got them walked out of there. It is. <laughs> vision doesn't follow money. Right. But you, a lot of people are saying, well, we wait, we'll wait till the money comes, and then we'll do what God wants us to do. no. No. Get your vision, share your vision, go over it, learn how to lead people into it. And you'll find that money follows vision. Mm. And that's what's happened for us. And And the, uh, the whole idea of being here as long as I have and developing a relationship, now it's with, with just my city, but with my county. Mm. I mean, my county knows who I am. Uh, the city knows who I am. We're, we're now reaping the results of that.
1: Yeah, and honestly, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the litmus tests for any rural churches is can this be replicated? And honestly, the ingredients you just mentioned, prayer, fasting, loving your community well, using what's in your hands to do the Lord's work. That's stuff anybody can do, you know, that's uh, God's going to bless that, you know, and that's that's amazing. So, well, thank you. Uh, I just want to say thank you again, Pastor Denny, for sharing these stories of faith and thank you for being on the
0: podcast today. Thanks, Joe. God bless you. Have a great day.
1: Yeah, well, hey, from all of us at Real Advancement, uh, we are so grateful that you tuned in today. Again, we make it our goal every single week, bring you content that's not just spoken to the Royal Church, but is spoken by the Royal Church. And so we hope that you are, have been encouraged and informed. He has been Pastor Denny Curran. I've been your host, Joe Epley, and we will see you next week.